Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it, you know, man, I love seeing other people be up here and share the word of God. But for me personally, man, it's always an honor and a privilege, and it always excites me to be able to, to do this with y'all. Uh, so I pray it benefits you and, and just your relationship. And today we're going to be taking it back. We're going to be going to the Old Testament, okay? We're going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 32. So if you have your Bible, you're free to turn to Genesis chapter 32. But don't feel no pressure because, of course, we'll have it on the screen. Um, but last week, Becca did an amazing job. Man, you give it up for Becca one time. Man, she shared a powerful story of Lazarus and how God can take a dead situation, right, and bring it back to life. Of how God meets us where we're at, man. What did Jesus do? He wept. He feels our pain. He knows how we hurt. He weeps with us. And he also has the ability to change it, but sometimes he's going to do it in a way that's going to be different than what we would have liked. Uh, but through it all, he is still faithful. Like she said, not only does he do it, but he does one better. And she shared her testimony, and it, it was definitely moving, and it was powerful. I know it had a lot of us in, in our emotions. And so, man, it, it just reminds me, just like this title says, man, we all have a story to tell. We all have different journeys in life that are, are man, difficult. They're more greater than we realize at the moment that we're going through them. But you never know how a God is going to use it to bless somebody else. And as a believer, man, it's important that in these seasons, in these moments, it's not something that we run away from God, but we run towards him. We got to press into him. We really got to go to him. Um, and that's something that you see throughout the Bible, that those that really seen God's move in his life, in their life, it's because they went to him. And uh, if you read the Gospels, you know, the books that are recorded, the life of Jesus, you know, there's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, there's John. All of these accounts, collections of Jesus, there was always a common theme for those that were followers of Jesus. They went through some stuff. They went through hard times. And so it wasn't always just easy for them. And so that should be an encouragement for us that has a believer, has a follower of Jesus. There will be some hard times. But you always see in every one of those recorded events, Jesus was faithful. God was faithful. And that's something that I want us to grow in, that what we don't understand right now, what we're going through, the reasons we're asking these whys and, Lord, what's going on? Someday we're going to look back and we say, man, God, you were so kind to me. You were so good to me. You were saving me for some things, man, Lord. Like, now I can look back at that situation and I can see how loving and how tender you were with me, even though in the moment I didn't always see that. And it makes me think of Jesus when he's with the disciples with the Last Supper, right? Before he's getting ready to be arrested and beaten and crucified and all these terrible things on our behalf, right? Died for our sins. He had a meal with his closest people. They broke bread. He's telling them, man, do this in remembrance of me. He's washing their feet. They're trying to grasp it all, but they really don't understand. But Jesus says something that's powerful, and I pray it sticks with you today. He says this in John chapter 13, verse 7. Jesus replied, man, you might not understand right now, but someday you will. Someday you will. That's something some of us need to hang on to, that someday is coming. Just like it's Sunday, right? I know people in the football world are like, hey, it's Sunday, it's here. Got the jerseys that represent it, but someday it's coming for all of us. And I pray that we would be people that in these seasons, in these moments, we would press into God and really allow him to work in us and through us. So we could ride to that someday and we could say, man, I got a story to tell. God was so faithful. God was so good. 
And I, and I pray that we are those people. But before we go further, man, I, I want the living God to move through this, okay? I want his spirit to be all in our hearts and our minds. So let's, let's pray right now. Uh, Father, we just come humbly before you, Lord. I thank you that you said we can come with boldness and courage. Um, that even the things that we're ashamed of or we're struggling with are not something we have to hide from you. Lord, you already know our situation. You already know what we're going through. And you said, bring it to me. Cast it to me. Help me help you. So, Father, we just come asking for your help, for your guidance, for your wisdom, to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord. Help us leave here encouraged, but also sharpened. Help us be better, Lord. We don't want to remain the same, Father. We want to be changed. We want to grow closer to you. We want to reflect Jesus so we can handle life like Jesus, Lord, so we can celebrate life like Jesus. And so would you just come and just minister to us this morning in a way that we all need. Father, give us a word and speak to us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And at this point, we're going to be looking at the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob comes from a long history of believers, okay? His grandfather was Abraham. If you know Abraham, right, he was going to sacrifice his son. God gave him a promise. He gave him a lot of good things. Jacob's dad was Isaac. Isaac did a lot of amazing things. So there were three different men, three very different journeys, three very different paths that they all had. But the common thing that they had is they were walking with the Lord. God gave them promises, and God was faithful to them. So I want you to know that, man, God is faithful to his promise. But Jacob's story is a lot like many of our stories. It doesn't always start off just with everything at your feet. It doesn't always start off easy. In fact, Jacob wasn't the favorite son. His own dad, Isaac, was like, hey, man, I love you, but I love Esau more than you. And of course, you know how it is in families and homes, right? The mom's like, well, that's my baby, so you don't mess with my baby, right? (laughs) Jacob is mine. And if you really look at the word Jacob, the name Jacob, it means to be a trickster, a deceiver. It means to be a jiver, somebody that's always scheming and plotting to get ahead in life. And the thing was, his mother had a part in that because she was always looking out for him in ways that wasn't always the best. In fact, she was part of the reason that his name was Jacob, but he also had that identity that represented those things. He was a trickster. He was somebody that operated in a way that took from others. And so we see this at this point in his life, that at this time he had already been kind of outcasted from his family. He already stole his brother Esau's birthright. He already stole his brother Esau's blessing. And then he moved and left the land. He said, I got to get away from here. It's too hot, right? You got to understand, if it's too hot in the kitchen, you got to get out of there, right? So he leaves. And he does something that many of us can relate to, I can relate to. He finds a woman, okay? A woman named Rachel. She was very beautiful. She really captured his heart. And he said, man, if I could get married to her, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm all in, okay? So he goes to her father and says, hey, Laban, what do I got to do to make this happen? And he says, man, it's simple, man. Just work for me for seven years, and I'll let you marry my daughter. Jacob, being a person that's always schemed his way, Decides, you know what? I don't need to do that. I'm just going to work. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to. It's going to be good. So he does that. Seven years pass. He has the big wedding, the big celebration. He wakes up in the morning and finds out that he didn't marry Rachel. He married the younger sister. He married the older sister. 
And it was custom in those times, Laban had told him, he explained, look, man, I can't let you marry the younger sister without the older sister being married first. But I make you this deal. The same way that you worked and you did this, if you do this again, then we're all good. You can have both of them. You can have his sister and Rachel. And Jacob was like, man, I'm willing to do anything. In fact, the word of God says this so poetically. It says 14 years only felt like a couple of days for Jacob. Ain't that the power of love? When you're in a relationship, it don't matter how many long years you've been together. Sometimes, man, you go through some seasons that feel like a long time. But to you, it's like, man, a couple of days. It wasn't even nothing. So we see that happen. He ends up marrying her. And he ends up staying around, right? He's already built these families. He's building children. He's been working with Laban. But the thing about Laban, though, is he's been kind of giving Jacob the Jacob treatment. The whole time that they've been working together, Laban has been coming against them. Every time that Jacob is trying to do right, Laban is trying to accuse him of doing something wrong. And time and time again, this keeps happening. And the cool thing about this, though, is even though Jacob was so used to scheming his way, he was growing in a way that was different than before. He realized, you know what, I just got to put the work in. I got to walk with the Lord in this. So every time something that Laban brought up, he would go to God. He would follow God. He would trust him, and it would work out in his favor. Laban told him, man, you're getting too many sheep, and you're getting too many of these livestock. You know what? You can only have those that have spots on it. You can't have the pure ones. Jacob said, okay, that's fine. Whatever you say I should do, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to obey it. But let me go talk to the Lord about this. He goes and talks to the Lord, and the Lord doubles the spotted sheep. Laban's like, you know what? I didn't mean that. I mean, those sheep are mine. These other sheep are yours. And time and time again, this kept happening. For 20 years, this went on. Jacob was trying to do right, but it felt like it was every time he took a step forward, it was two steps back. Instead of him being the one that was being the trickster, the deceiver, it was happening to him. And he finally reached a point. He said, man, I can't do this any longer. Enough's enough. Like, Lord, you got to do something different because I, I can't take this anymore. And God told him, look, man, I, I'm going to send you back home. I got something that I'm going to promise you. It's going to be good. Return home. It's time to go. Jacob said, bet, take me out of here. I've been here long enough. He packs his wife, his children, his kids. They leave. Laban finds out. He pulls up on him. He said, hold up. Where are you going, Jacob? And my grandbaby's right there. Then, then my daughter's right there. Jacob explains to him, look, man, you've always been somebody that ain't always been the best for me. You've always used things against me in ways that all I've tried to do is honor and glorify you. All I've tried to do is help you. So I felt like God was leading me this way, so this is what I did. And Laban said, man, it's cool. You know what? You have my blessing. You're good. You go. So it's like, man, you know, Jacob's like, cool. Oh, I'm finally getting out of one conflict. But he's returning home. If you know anything about the relationship with Jacob and his brother Esau, they didn't have the best relationships. In fact, Esau was ready to kill him. So he left at a good time. And now Jacob has that in his mind. Okay, now I'm returning home, but I don't know the kind of welcome I'm going to receive. I've been gone a long time, but you know how it is when people hold grudges. People take it to the, to the casket, right? And Jacob knows this. So he gets this idea. He said, you know what? I know my brother is really feeling some type of way about me, but if I send these gifts ahead of Maybe he'll have favor on me. Maybe everything will be good. So that's what he does. He sends gifts ahead to meet his brother, hoping that it would smooth things over. And then his brother sends a messenger. And his brother's messenger comes, and he says, Hey, uh, Jacob, I just want to let you know I'm from my master Esau, and he's coming out to meet you. 
He ain't going to wait for you to get there. He's going to come meet you. In fact, he's bringing 400 men with him. So Jacob's like, well, I can't catch a break, right? I get out of Laban and all this mess. I'm trying to return home. I'm, Lord, I'm doing what you asked me to do. And now I find myself feeling like I'm going to be right back in the same place, going through the same struggles, conflict after conflict. And right now I'm in the middle. And now it's coming towards me. And he does something that I want us all to learn to do in these moments, in these seasons, whenever we just came from a conflict, when we see a conflict coming ahead, he paused and he did something that he would learn to do for the past 20 years before. He went to God. He said, I got to talk to my father about this. And I want to read this, what Jacob says, because there's a lot we can learn from this little section. Genesis 32, verse 9 and 11. This is the prayer that Jacob prayed. It says, then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, okay, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives. And you promised me I would treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. And now my household fills two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid he is coming to attack me along with my relatives and children. See, you don't have to have a long-winded prayer. I know sometimes we can see some people pray. We're like, man, that's impressive. I don't pray nothing like that. I'm like, Lord, just help me today. Amen. (laughs) That's okay, okay? This is a short prayer, but it is a powerful prayer because it is a prayer of deliverance. And those are some prayers we need to work on and we need to speak in our life. Because he approached God with humility. He reminded God of the promises that he had for him. And then he holded them accountable. He said, Lord, I'm doing this according to your will. So I'm trusting that you're going to fulfill the thing that you promised me. That's a promise and a prayer of deliverance that we got to learn, church. And then like many of us, even though Jacob prayed that prayer, he had an idea. He said, you know what? I got a plan. I already sent this gift. I don't pray to the Lord about it. If I send one more gift, maybe I'm really going to be good now. So that's what he does. He sent another offering to his brother, hoping that that would reach him. That would help smooth things over. Hopefully he'll bring less men to come meet him and things would be okay. And I think a lot of us do that, right? God gives us a promise. God speaks to us in a certain way. And we're on fire. We're like, yes, Lord, I believe it. I receive it. I'm walking in it, Lord. But let me go ahead and just try to help smooth the situation, right? Let me massage this a little bit so I can make sure that it goes my way. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of God, you know, giving me a promise, showing me to me, me receiving it, me being like, oh, I'm solid. And then as soon as he turned around, I'm like, but Lord, if I could just do this one thing, I think this, is, this will work out okay. So if you're in that, if you've done that, man, don't beat yourself up, okay? This, this is part of us, right? It's part of us growing in our faith and maturing. So Jacob decided, you know what, I, I, I'm going to do this, but I really should probably just stay behind. If anybody's going to get it took out on, it's just, I'm going to let it fall on me. I don't want nobody else getting hurt by this. It's got to be on me. He's gone from overcoming a crisis with Laban to now facing a new one with his brother Esau. Jacob's in need of divine help. So that's what we got to realize sometimes, church. 
Sometimes we're just in a place that's like, like, throw my hands up, Lord. I just need you. I don't even know. I need you to divinely, supernaturally, whatever it needs to look like, Lord, I need you to show up and move through this because I've done all that I can. I can't do no more. But let's read what happens. Let's go to Genesis 32, verse 22 through 24. It says, during the night, Jacob got up. He took his two wives, his two servants' wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all the possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with them until dawn break. So Jacob's alone. He's at a place. He said, you know what? I need to send my wife's over here. I need to send my children. I need to send all the things that I have. Everything that I own, all my possessions, I need to send it to the other place, to the other side that I'm preparing myself to go. But I know I need to hold back. I know I need to take a step back. I need to sit in this before I go with them. And then what happens? Somebody pulls up, starts wrestling with them. I'd be so mad. Like, man, I cannot catch a break. But I want you to receive this this morning because there's, this is a lesson I, I really feel like God is speaking to me personally, but just to us right now. Sometimes we have to remove things from around us to protect what has been given to us. Sometimes you got to remove something around you to protect it. Now, naturally, our instinct is to do what? We want to hold on, right? We want to collect it. we like, man, Lord, I don't know, man. You barely gave this to me. You've entrusted me with this. Like, I can't let this go, Lord, because I'm afraid of what could happen if it doesn't come back to me. Because that's the thing, right? Nothing is guaranteed to always come back to you. So that's hard for us. The concept of letting go of something to protect it, to preserve it, in order for it to be restored to you. But where did Jacob send this? He sent it to a place that he was already headed to anyway. Sent it to a place that he was getting ready to be a part of. None of us knows what's guaranteed in our life. That's why a lot of times, like, when you kiss your spouse, you kiss your children, you have those moments, right? You don't realize how big those things are. Because a lot of us think they're little things, right? But it's crazy when you really look at your life in the grand scheme of things. It's those little things are the things that you spend the most time doing. So in reality, those little things make up a large part of our life. And it's actually the huge events that we see that are actually the little things. Jacob realizes, he said, man, you know, I got to take care of what I have, and this is what God is leading me to do. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't really kind of make sense, but Lord, I'm trusting you with this. And I want you to think about it in this term. So let's say you go out somewhere in public, you got your family, you got your bride, you got your spouse, and then a ball breaks out, right? You go to a football game, people out there fighting, acting a fool. Sometimes you get bumped in, sometimes you get into it too. And what would you do? Would you allow your wife and your kids to be there? Or are you going to say, you know what? Before I tuck my chain in and we get serious over here, I need to make sure that I put my kids and my wife and my children to a safe place. Because I don't want them to get hurt. If anybody's going to get hurt, let me get hurt. I don't want them to get hurt. That's a lesson for us to learn, church. Because the place that he was releasing them to is a place we can always trust. He was putting them in God's hands, in God's care. And you're like, man, I don't even know how to do that, though, Pastor. Like, how do you really do that? Well, you have to really trust the Lord with them. 
You have to understand that the Lord wants something better for them than you want for yourself, than you want for them. You have to say, Lord, I've seen what you do in my life. I know you do it for them because you could protect them better than I can. You could speak to them better than I can. You could look out for them better than I can. So I'm putting them in your care. Your word tells us, cast our cares onto you, that you care about us, that you love us. So help me do that with these things that I want to protect, that I want to preserve. And it's hard when you find yourself in that position. Nobody wants anybody to leave. Nobody wants to have to send something away. But that's what Jacob did. And then he finds himself wrestling. Wrestling with the man that came out of nowhere. And I want to read what happens next. Verse 25 through 28. So when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I'm not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob, you're no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Now, I don't even know how Jacob is fighting to begin with, right? It says it's already happening in the nighttime. So, you know, it's already been a long day. It's been hard. I don't know how you are when you travel. I don't know if you drive, fly, whatever the case. But I know me personally, anytime I'm traveling, I'm wiped out. I'm tired already. The last thing I want to do is get in an altercation in a fight. But somehow, some way, that's what Jacob did. If you've ever been in a fight, man, five minutes feels like 30 minutes, okay? You'd be long-winded, you'd be just gasping for air. How long have we been fighting, man? It's been two minutes, man. Like, oh. <laughs> and he still want to go? Like, I'm telling you. But somehow, Jacob found a way not just to wrestle until dawn. He found a way not to let go. Found a way. And I want you to receive this and take this away this morning. In our unwillingness not to give up, we become someone who always perseveres. And our ability to say, you know what? I'm not accepting this. I'm not giving up. This ain't what I'm, I'm receiving today. You're going to persevere. You're going to overcome. Jacob didn't ask to be in this fight. What did he do? He already sent two gifts to his brother to avoid this. He done prayed to God about this. He done sent his children, his wife, everything he possessed to the other side. The last thing he was trying to do was get into a fight. And yet that's where he was. He found himself in a place that he came back down. He could have easily tried to talk his way out of it. He could have tried to offer something, negotiate something, right? He could have done something else. He could have just ran away. He could have just said, you know, I don't need to deal with this right now. I ain't got time for this. And usually those are three options that we tend to go to, right? Well, maybe if I offer this in return, then we could smooth this out. Maybe if I suggest this, we could just talk about it. We could make this work. Maybe if I just avoid the thing altogether, it will go away. Now, sometimes with the Lord, he will call you to do those things. But there are other times that you're just going to have to face it. That you're going to have to do like Jacob did and quit running. That you're going to see that's no longer an option. That you're going to have to do like Jacob did and realize that offering something in return for something is no longer an option. That you're going to have to realize that there is no talking, there is no finessing, there is no using words to overcome this. 
You just have to face it head on. And that's hard, church. That's a hard place to be. There comes a point where we have to learn to stand firm, to stand up. Not just for ourselves, but against the enemy. We got to say, look, man, I don't care what you're saying. I ain't taking nothing else from me. I don't care what these people got to say. I don't care what the enemy got to say. I know what the Lord has said, and that's all I'm accepting. I'm not receiving nothing else than that. I've had enough. Enough is enough. I'm tired of this. This is what I receive. Lord, what you have for me is all I want. I don't want nothing else. And I don't care what that looks like to get that. You know, a lot of people call me Chrome, right? And it's something that I was talking to my beautiful wife, Desiree, about the other day. And I was just like, that old Chrome is gone. That Jacob is gone. That man is dead. And he ain't coming back. And by the grace of God, I ain't going to allow him to come back because I'm not accepting that for myself. I'm not accepting that for my bride. I'm not accepting that for my kids. I'm accepting what the Lord has for me, and that's it. I'm not receiving anything else. We have to learn to stand up. We have to allow the enemy to quit trying to run us over all the time. Quit letting people run you over all the time. There comes a point you got to fight back. You got to say, enough's enough. I'm tired of this. I'm not taking anymore. Lord, I'm riding with you. And how it works out, it works out. But this is what it is. When you're unwilling to give up, you're always going to persevere. But we have to reach that breaking point that we say it's enough. That's all I'm accepting. I'm no longer going to allow the actions of my past, my present, my future to keep me receiving what you have for me, God. My life is too short for this. I don't know what today brings me, Lord, but I'm not accepting anything else than what you have for me. And Lord, if you're not going to be in this situation, if you're not going to bless me in this situation, then remove it from my life. I don't want to be any part of it. I don't need it in my life then. Because I want your blessing in my life. I want your blessing in my home. I want your blessing in my marriage. I want your blessing in my finances. I want your blessing in my kids. I don't want to receive nothing else than that, Lord. We have to take a stance. And what did we see? He was unwilling to give up. He said, I ain't going to stop till you bless me. That dude said, man, who are you? What's your name? Jacob? I said, nah, you ain't Jacob no more, man. That might have been who you used to be, but God been doing the work in you. You got a new name now. You got a new identity now. And that's what we have to realize. When we take these stands, when we stare at this, man, we ain't going back. There is no old Chrome in this life. You can still call me Chrome, but that ain't who I am. I'm my father's child. I'm my wife's husband. I'm my kid's dad. Church, we got to take a stand. And when we see when we do this, God is going to mark us in a way that sometimes it's going to mess with us. What happened? It said the man didn't messed up his hip, popped it out the socket. God's like, you're going to remember this. And sometimes we need that reminder because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget the things that God has brought you through, how faithful he was how you have been changed, how you have a new identity. So God will allow some things to touch your life that break you in a way that changes your life, in a way that you could go to the other side and leave behind who you used to be. 
Because Jacob had changed. He was no longer that deceiver. He was no longer that trickster. He was a man of God. We got to reach that point, church. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 28 through 32. Please tell me your name, Jacob says. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Penel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life had been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Penel, and he was limping because of his injury to his hip. And even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tender near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. It was hard for Jacob to wrap his mind around just what just happened. I think a lot of us could be like that, right? We see God do a work in our life, and we say, hold up. I don't, like, what just happened? And we started to ask, God, was that you? Did you really do that? Internally, we already know. We already know the answer. But sometimes we just struggle with it because it was so overwhelming. It was so transformational. We just, we just like, I don't even know. Like, we're just in shock. We're still trying to process everything. But I want you to receive this finally today. The things that we wrestle with, provide the soil we need to be transformed. The things that we are wrestling with right now are going to be the very things that change you for the better. And that's the truth, church. He left a foreign land named Jacob, has named Jacob, and he returned as Israel. Jacob said, man, I got to remember this place, that this is a place that I saw God face to face. I don't want to forget this. And God had already marked him in a way that he wouldn't. Jacob said, man, there's no going back. There is no old Jacob moving forward. He's Israel. He got a new identity. He matched who he was becoming and his destination was. And that's the same thing for us. A lot of times God is leading us to the other side of something, and it's going to change us in a way that we're going to match what that place looks like. But it takes going through these moments to get there. And they're hard. Jacob been going through this for 20 years. To finally reach this place. But sometimes we've done so much things in our life. It's going to take some years like that. To remove some things within us. It's one of the things that you commonly see when you read the Old Testament. And God had freed the people of Israel. The 40 years in the wilderness were 40 years of them complaining and saying, take me back. At least we had meat. At least I had a place to stay. At least I had this, this, and this. Church, there got to be a point where you say, man, I ain't going back to Egypt. I don't want that for my life. There might be some Egypt still in me I need to get out, but I ain't going back because I know what my father has ahead of me. And I don't know what the journey looks like to get there, but I'm willing to walk with him through it. And he's willing to do that for you. And I get it, man. Going from conflict to conflict, man, it's not easy. It's hard. Feeling like things are always falling apart, man, it's it's nothing new. It's never going to be new. We all experience this at different points in our life. But it's these moments, man, that God does some of his best work in our life, in our situations, in relationships, and all these different areas in our life that we are, just feel overwhelmed. God is doing the work through them right now. Before we cross over to what he's promised us. So this is my challenge for us today. Man, don't give up. Don't give up. I know that's easier said than done, but really, man, don't give up. 
It's not worth it, y'all. I know the easy thing would be to return to those things, to choose these paths, but it's the hard thing that's going to bless you the most. And God says, I'm going to be with you in it. And I get it, church. I get how hard things can be in life. I always feel like, man, Lord, you, you give me some messed up stuff all the time, man. Like, Lord, I I'm just, I'm just want to sit down for a second. But I've learned to say, but Lord, I don't want nothing else than what you have for me. I can't just thank you for what's good in my life and not exclude the bad. I got to thank you for it all because you said you're going to use all of it for me. You're going to use it all for my relationships, for my marriage, for my children, for this church, for everybody that I come in contact with. Lord, you said you're going to use it all. So I don't have to understand it or make sense of it to trust you in it. I just have to walk with you. So let me keep walking, Lord. Help me keep walking. What do we talk about? And sometimes that means you got to remove some things in your life in order to protect those things. And that is so challenging, Lord. It's, it is so hard. Church, I'm telling you, it is so hard to release something in order to protect it because it doesn't feel like you're protecting it. It feels like the opposite. It feels like you're losing it all, church. You feel the heaviness of it overwhelm you. But God is so faithful. He's so faithful, church. You have to trust him and put it in his care. Know that there's no better place that you could give it to than releasing it to him. There's nothing you could do to make it better than to give it to him. He's faithful. What else do we talk about? Man. It's in our willingness not to give up that we could become people who always persevere. I know, like, my name means strong, man. I never feel strong. I always feel weak. I always feel like the Lord is giving me challenge after challenge. And I don't understand. But I've learned if I've been unwilling not to give up, I will persevere. That I don't have to accept anything else than what my Father has for me. That's the banner over my life, over everything and the umbrella that God has given and trusted me with. And I'm not going to accept nothing else. And because of that, I have persevered things that make no sense. It doesn't make sense that I'm standing here just talking to y'all now. But he's given me the ability to persevere because I haven't gave up. Because I accept only what he has. Church, we got to be those people that take that stand and say, that's it. I'm not doing this no more. Only what you have for me, Lord. Because what did we say? Man, this is the soil that transforms you. So you can match the place that God is leading you. So when you get to the other side, you can handle all that the other side looks like. Don't give up, church. He's faithful. Let me pray. Father, Man, you know the heaviness of, of trying to do this, Lord. But I thank you that you said we didn't have to do it on our own. That you would put people in our life to lock arms and walk with us. But more than anything, Lord, you said, I'm here. Don't be afraid. I am here. Don't worry about what you're going through. You're going to see it through. Father, help us with that, Lord. Because there are times when we don't believe. There are times when it doesn't feel good. 
But you said we could have joy, we could have peace, we could overcome. Father, we don't know how to do that a lot of times. So we come before your feet asking to guide us. Help us discover what that looks like. Help us walk with you through this, Lord, so we don't give up. So we don't settle for something that's a downgrade. So we don't take less than what you have for us, Lord. We want everything that you have for us in this life before our life is over here. Help us not give up today, Lord. Help us keep pressing into you. Help us give in to you. Help us walk with you. Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, we'll go to a time of worship. We'll have some prayer team members in the back. But man, I'm telling y'all, man, go to the Lord with this, man. Whatever that's in you that you need to pour out, pour it at his feet. There's no better place to do that, man. And you're going to find the relief that you're seeking. Let's worship the Lord.